From muddy jungle paths to snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder is ready to take you to some of the most phenomenal destinations on Earth. In a Pathfinder, it's more than just the arrival. The real excitement comes from the ride to get there. With seven drive modes, Pathfinder's available intelligent four-wheel drive is built for some of the most epic journeys. So chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures in the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. Intelligent four-wheel drive cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. Witness Docs from Stitcher. This is an historic time. This could be the next 1918 pandemic. Why is it taking so long to get a screening test? Are you isolating yourself? Who do you count on? It's actually to protect you. Wash hands, wash hands, wash hands. I mean, you're the scientist. You're going to have to tell me. (laughs) Welcome, welcome to Science Rules Coronavirus Edition. I'm your host, Bill Nye, and this is the series bringing you the latest insights into an analysis of the coronavirus, the old COVID-19 pandemic. We want to keep you prepared, informed, and calm. We're all in this together, friends. Uh, So I've been getting uh, your voicemails about your experiences during the pandemic, along with a lot of excellent questions. I mean, I love it. I mean, I love the questions. I mean, not, not really the pandemic. So please keep those voice messages coming, and today we will dig into a few. And to help us understand it all, I am once again joined by our guest, Dr. Celine Gounder. She is an assistant professor of medicine and infectious diseases at New York University, an epidemiologist who she's a disease detective. So uh, Dr. Gounder, Celine, welcome back to Science Rules. Thank you. Great to be here again. Uh, you say that, but it's we're in we're in <laughs> well, trouble here virtually, right? Yeah, yeah, Not uh, yeah. in the era of social distancing. We are so distant. Yeah, uh, a lot has happened. It's been three weeks. Three weeks since uh, we talked. You're not on duty this month, is that right? Well, I'm I'm not um, scheduled to be on uh, the wards until May. I did go in last weekend to help uh, relieve some of my colleagues, um, so I spent last Sunday on the wards. You know, I think what's happening at places like Bellevue right now is they're literally um, shifting staffing patterns day to day as we're figuring out what's going to work given the number of patients we have and the mix and so on. Now, so- when you say Bellevue, when you say Bellevue, you're talking about New York City, right? Yes, yes. Bellevue Hospital in New York City, not Bellevue, Washington. So uh, what's happening in the hospital? Yeah, you know, it was really, um, because I was last on service, uh, before going in on Sunday, I was last on service in February. When I went in last Sunday, it was really striking how different the place felt. You walked into the hospital and you have to go through this temperature symptom screening 
Um, you have to show your badge that you work there. They don't let, you know, visitors, um, patient visitors, family come in anymore. No family. Um, and the no lot, family can visit no, patients. Wow. No, because it's a risk yeah, to them, yeah. you know, that they could get infected. Sure. Um, and, you know, you go into the lobby of the hospital and there's usually lots of people milling around there. There's an au bon pain where people might be having a coffee or grabbing a bite to eat. And it's totally empty. You know, normally you have physical therapists and pharmacists and, you know, all these other people there. And it's not that they're not all like some of them are just not there. Some of them are just sort of keeping to their offices, um, keeping to their corners or spaces. Um, Do people wear masks and gowns like all the time, continually, continuously? They don't. Mm. And I wish we had enough to allow for that, but we just don't have the supply. And when I was, this is even a week ago, we were just about out of the N95 respirator masks, which really would be the appropriate standard for healthcare providers to be using in this situation. And we were- stiff, almost cardboard cups, right? That's right. That's right. They're, you know, they're thicker. They fit tightly over your nose and mouth. You squeeze the metal Um, thing on your nose to the bridge of your nose. Exactly. Yeah. So these are tight fitting. They're not easy to breathe through either. It's sort of like breathing through a snorkel. Uh, It's actually harder than breathing through a snorkel, in my opinion. No, really. I mean, I breathe through both and not at the same time. That would be hard. hard. They they would get soggy, for one thing. You're in 95. (laughs) But that, uh, trying to keep it light, but we got serious problems here, right? So what's it like when you go into a ward where people are sick with COVID-19? That's your biz, right? One of the things that was especially eerie was how quiet it was, but then every hour or so, the silence would be punctuated by these overhead pages for the team that basically um, puts a tube down someone's throat, what we call intubation, um, and then allows you to be hooked up to a ventilator. So, you know, every hour or so, we were having these overhead calls of somebody who wasn't able to breathe on their own anymore. Their oxygen levels were dropping and they were needing to be transferred to the ICU. And so it's just, it felt really strange because it was like total quiet and then you'd have these events and they were really frequent compared to what we normally see in the hospital. Wow. We'll be back right after this. From muddy jungle paths to snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder is ready to take you to some of the most phenomenal destinations on Earth. In a Pathfinder, it's more than just the arrival. The real excitement comes from the ride to get there. With seven drive modes, Pathfinder's available intelligent four-wheel drive is built for some of the most epic journeys. So chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures in the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. Intelligent four-wheel drive cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. 
But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Right now, Celine, as you know, this version of the podcast features listeners' questions on voicemail, for those of you who remember that technology. So first up, we have Cliff. Let's uh, take a listen. Hi, Bill. This is Cliff from Jamestown, New York. Curious what your thoughts are about uh, wearing um, surgical masks or any type of mask for this COVID-19 pandemic. I know the CDC recommends not to wear a mask unless you are sick or going to be in contact with someone who is sick, but I feel like there is some merit to actually wearing a protective mask on your face so you're not inhaling any COVID-19, so to speak, because uh, I've been wearing a mask out at work, but I don't see a lot of people wearing them. Just give me your thoughts. Uh, science rules. Oh, thank you, Cliff. Uh, so masks, <laughs> we we're started to talk about masks Should I wear one or not? Should a person wear one or not? Yeah, uh, it's a complicated question. um, And and there's sort of two parts to answering the question. So the first is how is um, this coronavirus actually transmitted? And, you know, I've been speaking to some fluid dynamics researchers, so people who literally study how fluid and gas moves through the air. It's my old Um, business. I worked on airplanes. That's my hydraulic system. There you go. That's my thing. So you... Probably understand this better than I do. Well, I don't know. Um, It depends. Go ahead. (laughs) But there's a uh, woman by the name of uh, Lydia Bariba at MIT who, this is what she does, you know, as her full-time research is how do infections spread through fluids and gases and so on. And basically, you know, and and she's published even more recently just in the last week in in JAMA about this uh, journal of the American Medical Association. But, um, what her findings are is that this dichotomy between droplets and airborne spread is really a false dichotomy, that it's really a gradient. Um, and why is that important? So that's important because the kind of mask you might wear to protect yourself may differ depending on how it's transmitted. And the distance that respiratory exhalations... Um, can travel. Yeah, it can travel. And it doesn't even need to be a sneeze or a cough. It's got to depend on the diameter of the droplet. You know, I mean, this is the whole thing in fluid mechanics. Correct. And so if you have a droplet small enough, it just stays pretty much suspended in the air. And there's a fabulous word, an aerosol, which means dissolved mm-hmm. in the air. And everybody, you know about this. You ask yourself, where do clouds come from? These are water vapor that gets its way all the, high enough to condense into tiny droplets. And the droplets don't just fall right down. The cloud stays there. And you've seen dust in the air and how slowly dust uh, falls to a tabletop or a bookshelf. So if the droplet's small, correct me if I'm wrong, doctor, but it's got to stay in the air a long doggone time. Well, and that's precisely the concern. And so we think that this is transmitted not just by droplet, but by aerosols. You know, the recommendations that we have had up until recently have been a surgical mask should be adequate because if it's droplet spread, a surgical mask will protect This is you the paper that. or cloth mask, right? Right, the thin, loose-fitting yeah. ones. 
And that probably is not the right recommendation. Now, you know, I said this is a two-part sort of way. You have to look at this from two different angles. The other piece of it is what supply is available and who needs to be prioritized given there is a shortage. Um, and so, you know, if you're somebody who's a healthcare worker, um, you you are definitely getting a much, much higher load of exposure. And you also don't want to be yourself transmitting between yeah, patients. And so no. it's for your own protection. <laughs> it's for their protection. Well, right? there's no, you know, the old saying, there's, if you want to get sick, go to the hospital. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think that has to be the priority. Um, you know, the other thing is if, if healthcare workers don't feel safe, some I think most will still actually go to work uh, because that's just their call, you know, call to duty and they feel very strongly about that. But you will have some people who will say, look, this is just, no, I'm not going to do it. And many of us, not including me, but others um, can stay home and, and work from home and not expose themselves in the same way. And so my first line of advice would be, you know, if you have the option to do the social distancing and work from home, you absolutely should do that and conserve the resources. What would make a lot of sense is for people to be wearing a cloth mask or a scarf or a bandana. I think the thing to remember is when you're out in the great outdoors, you're, the air is much more diluted right? As than if you are in a cab or, or you're in a room so whatever you're exhaling or sneezing or coughing into the air is being diluted by the great outdoors. So your you know your risk is much 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 lower in that setting. So we have another mask related question. This one is from Liz. Hi, Bill and Corey. Uh, this is Liz going from New Hampshire. Uh, right now, there's a lot of initiatives to make like homemade uh, N95 masks and other masks to protect against coronavirus. But the thing is, is that nobody seems to really know, like, what's effective. So it's kind of difficult for me to figure out, like, which DIY project I should be investing my time in to help other people. Uh, So if you have, like, any medical experts who, like, maybe have, like, an idea of what's the best way to invest my time, uh, I would really like to help with this. Should Liz be making and donating masks, in your view? Yeah, I wouldn't trust that any of those would be on par with an N95 mask. Uh, I think the key, if you're going to make these things, you're always going to make them do something to make it fit on the bridge of the nose. Yeah, over your nose and um, under the chin, too. You want it to fit tightly under your God, chin. You guys, so, what, yeah, a, no question. what a time. What a time, Celine. I mean, to be addressing these seemingly, I don't know, mundane <laughs> or wardrobe choices where uh, the world is, for many people, is scary. It's just a scary time. So along that line, we have another voicemail. Our next caller had a run-in with SARS, apparently. Let's uh, roll that tape. Hi, Gail. I saw your Twitter, and I'm leaving my voicemail about my COVID experience. I actually remember surviving a SARS virus that was very similar in 1998. I remember being out for six days, barely getting up to go to the bathroom twice, and needing a rescue inhaler for about a year afterward whenever I tried to work out. In fact, when I joined the military several years later, they still prescribed me one just because I had a little bit of problem with my lung that I later dropped when I worked out more in the military. So I think that what we really need is the kind of research program that is working, not necessarily in novel viruses, but archetypes of virus. Like why aren't 
You know, if we've, if we've been dealing with, with a SARS virus that has torn up lungs since 1998, the fact that we don't have a targeted retroviral is such a huge issue. Yeah, doctor, why don't we have a targeted retroviral? Yeah, <laughs> Celine. Well, so I, I'm kind of curious what she had in 1998 because SARS was 2002 yeah. to 2003. Yeah, yeah. You know, but there are thousands of viruses, probably millions of viruses out there. We can't possibly have a drug for each and every one of them. And that said, you know, coronaviruses are probably one that should have been higher priority on the list. Unfortunately, drugs to treat infections are the classic, what we call market failure. Um, you know, part of the problem is that you have these for a time-limited period of time. It's not like high blood pressure, or cholesterol, high cholesterol, where you take these medications for the rest of your life usually. You take them for a short period of time. We really try to restrict their use so you don't have bugs developing resistance to the medications. And furthermore, the viruses have been at it for millennia, billions of years, you know, because they have been at it for as long as all the other living things have been here. And so they're going to continue to evolve, continue to change, and we're going to have to continue to deal with them. And people like you are going to continue to try to figure it all out. Our final question today is about the future, and it's from Dave. Hello, Bill. My name is Dave. I live in central Indiana. I have a question for you about life after COVID-19. Is COVID-19 a once-in-a-century event, or is this a sign of things to come? And then if events like this are going to be more frequent, what can we do as a global society to ensure that we can continue living our normal economic and cultural ways and still be safe from viruses like this. Obviously, we can't go into a lockdown every few years. So what can we do long term as governments and individuals to keep us safe going forward? Great question. Um, you know, I, I think we have to be much more proactive in anticipating these things. Um, this was not a surprise to me. This was not a surprise to people who work in my field, whether it's infectious diseases or epidemiology or global but health were preparedness. You, were you surprised at all at the level of lockdown activity, if I may coin the noun? Just where New York has just shut down, cities all over the place are shut down. Well, we have been we have been warning about a flu pandemic uh, that would be like the 1918 Spanish flu for actually like a couple decades now that this was, we were due for something like that to happen again. Um, and if you look back to the history of that pandemic, that is exactly what was needed to shut down transmission and, and to move past it. So could I have predicted that we were going to have to shut down New York back in January? No. But um, am I surprised that's what we've had to do? No. No. There you go. So, Celine, Dr. Gounder, I would like to recap. Are you ready for a recap? Sure. Do you have some key do's and don'ts with mask wearing, uh, shopping, and social distancing? Yeah, I think... Um you have to think about it is, are you inside or outside? Um, if you're outside, I, I think probably the six feet um, distance is probably fine. Uh, I would be very careful about what you're touching outside. Um, so I wouldn't be touching park benches and so on. New York subway handrails. Yeah, those are probably not so hygienic. Oh, they're perfectly safe. <laughs> they're perfectly safe. 
<laughs> if you've ever ridden the New York subway, everybody, it's it's a greasy situation there. <laughs> he might wear, like if you're out in public, a pair of gloves. It doesn't have to be medical grade gloves at all. It could just be a pair of, you know, your yeah, winter gloves. Yeah. Something that's washable is great. Just wear those, take them off when you get home, toss them directly into the wash and wash your hands. And that's, a, that's actually a really great way to keep your hands clean and Hopefully, we'll also, depending on what kind of gloves you have on, maybe they will help function as a reminder not to touch mm. your face. And then if you're indoors, I, you know, I think the way I think about that is you really should be keeping to your household bubble of people, no one in or out of that bubble. Um, you know, and that includes people like nannies. If you don't have, and you know, I don't have kids, but you know, if you were, if you were somebody privileged enough to have a nanny and, and you have kids, that person should either be living with you or you should be just paying them to stay home right now. And then finally, you know, should you be wearing a mask? I, I do think our cultural norms may well change after all of this, but, you know, wearing um, something that covers your nose and mouth when you're out in public, if everybody did that, that actually would significantly decrease transmission. There you go, everybody. You heard it from Dr. Gounder. When you're shopping, Wear your mask. Your mask protects me. My mask protects you. Hey, Celine, thank you. And Dr. Gounder has her own podcast called, it may not surprise you, called Epidemic. Her co-host is Ron Claim, and they talk about epidemics. So check them out. Also available on Stitcher. Uh, as we uh, wind this episode down, I'd like to leave you with this voicemail, which we received from a public health worker, Christina here in New York, who's leading a fundraising effort to make masks and personal protective equipment for hospital staff. Here, take a listen. Hi, Phil. My name is Christina Peely. I partly started this campaign because I have several loved ones who are physicians and nurses on the front line. And our most recent project includes acquiring supplies for SUNY Downstate um, in Brooklyn, which has recently been designated as a COVID-19 hospital by the governor it's we've been in touch with lots of family members um, and also as part of my job I, I speak to a lot of frontline staff and it is absolutely scary and very sobering to hear their stories so so we're continuing the campaign because I, I think at the end of the day we all just want to keep on helping given our restrictions um, of staying at home I think fundraising is, is one of the best ways to do this New Yorkers are known for their resilience, their grit, and their hustling skills, but we never seem to get enough credit for our compassion and kindness during a crisis. Uh, I, I've seen it happen with 9-11 and Sandy, and I don't think this pandemic is any different. There you go. We can do this, everybody. I'm Bill Nye, and this is a pandemic. We're all in this together, and more than ever, science rules. If you like Science Rules, please take a moment to rate and review it on Apple Podcasts and on Stitcher. It helps us out and helps other people learn about the show. So thank you. Science Rules Coronavirus Edition is a production of Witness Docs from Stitcher. The show is produced by Claire Rawlinson, Stephanie Kariuki, and my isolating co-host, Corey S. Powell. Our editor is Tracy Samuelson, and our engineer is Louis Fleming, who also mixed this episode. Peter Clowney is our executive producer. Special thanks again to Casey Halford. Chris Bannon is the CCO, the chief content officer here at Stitcher. And at Stitcher, everyone, science rules.
From muddy jungle paths to snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder is ready to take you to some of the most phenomenal destinations on Earth. In a Pathfinder, it's more than just the arrival. The real excitement comes from the ride to get there. With seven drive modes, Pathfinder's available intelligent four-wheel drive is built for some of the most epic journeys. So chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures in the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. Intelligent four-wheel drive cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions.